Ain't you sick of giving me your money? Oh, it's... Oh, oh. I know he yeah. didn't do it, baby. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where you going? Now I'm about to go make these drop Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Bradley D.L.O. Thomas, marketing professor slash MC producer. Opal Elisa, I am a multicultural business strategy director by day and an MC and poet by soul. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey Dash Dub Whitmore. Uh, I'm owner of uh, Media 22. Um, and welcome, everybody. Yes, welcome, everybody, to the, to the Black Currency Podcast. Our goal is to help educate people on financial literacy by talking with various professionals with relatable backgrounds. And today, uh, I like to call uh, this this uh, this this man the you know, the OG's OG. Uh, he <laughs> is a serial entrepreneur, uh, very uh, very experienced in in building people and building businesses and building communities and teaching people how to become financially free. Uh, we're going to talk about. Um, the focus is going to be stocks today, but we're also going to talk about how to build, uh, you know, financial groups and any other jewels that this man is about to drop on us. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Bob Wins. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, OG, the, what do you call me? The uh, OG of OGs. This means I'm very, very old, right? <laughs> it means very knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable. Thank you. But I have learned that's a term of distinction. So I appreciate yes. that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. So today, so today we're going to talk about um, stocks um, just for, for individuals who may not really understand the basics of, of what they are. Um, I know lately there's been a lot of people who have been excited about you know, these applications that people are using, you know, one is called Robinhood. Um, others is, you know, some people use Stash, some people use Acorns. But we just want to we just want to first start off with, you know, what like what is a stock? Can you can you kind of break that down for people? Yeah. If you don't mind, I'll back it up a couple of steps. Okay. So, you know, number one, um, I think it's important to understand that we are functioning in a capitalist system. And of course, um, that means that we are not only uh, licensed to create wealth, the objective of our economic system is that we have an opportunity to create wealth. I think it's very, very important that people understand what we mean when we say wealth. It is definitely not all about income. Wealth has to do with your net assets, and that would mean your assets minus your liabilities. So when we're trying to build wealth, we're really trying to build our asset base. As Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad would say, 
Mm. We're really trying to build not just any old assets like your car or your furniture in your house are assets. You're really trying to build those wealth creating assets. Those are the ones that will generate income for you or will appreciate in value over time. Mm. Therefore, it really boils down to just a few assets that are the ones that are going to build you that wealth over time. It's going to be business ownership, which we uh, refer to as entrepreneurship. It will also be real estate. That includes owning your own home. And then it includes owning uh, or investing, which is investing in stocks and bonds. So you want to own stocks, especially because they have that sort of dual wealth creation effect of the appreciation of the value of the stock. And also you, some stocks pay a dividend, which is a add on to the value of how those stocks can increase. So to really uh, set some context for that question of, you know, how do we invest in stocks? You know, I think it's good to understand a little bit about why we are investing in stocks. And that backs up to why is there a stock market? Right. The stock market is there originally or mainly for creating access to capital for businesses. And uh, just as, you know, we had a a monumental example of how businesses raise wealth recently in Robinhood itself. Everybody knows of Robinhood as an app and one which you can use to buy stocks and bonds. But Robinhood, the company, actually raised, I think it was uh, several billion dollars. I don't even know how much, but it was a lot uh, by selling their stock to the public. Now, when Robinhood sells that stock to the public, that money comes to the company and they can use that for business growth purposes. Mm -hmm. But when it comes time for those people who bought that stock and made and helped Robinhood raise that capital, Robinhood doesn't want to buy your stock back because they now are using your money for other purposes. Mm -hmm. So they create the stock market for the exchange between buyers and sellers of stocks uh, where the original seller of that stock, which is the company, no longer wants to buy that stock back because they're using that capital for other purposes. Mm-hmm. So the New York Stock Exchange is a secondary market where the uh, stocks are bought and sold. So basically, a stock is, in fact, that ownership in a share of a company, and the shares are simply bought and sold on a stock market. The most popular, the oldest is the New York Stock Exchange, but a more up and coming, uh, very active stock market that's more electronic and more advanced is the NASDAQ. It stands for National Automated Securities Dealer Quotation System, but uh, we know it as just the NASDAQ. And so those are the two main markets, but there are some other smaller markets out there. And every major developed company has their own stock market as well. Yeah, you dropped a lot of jewels there. I did not know that what NASDAQ stood for. Right. Well, that's one of the questions in uh, some of the little uh, financial literacy games that we play. Okay. What does NASDAQ stand for? So, yeah, it's not so much that you need to know that, but um, uh, it's, a, it's just a world, you know, that's created that has its own terminology. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's good to sort of understand those contexts. Because when you are trying to participate in that market, the more you know about it, understand how it works overall, 
the more you can make those kinds of decisions and choices that hopefully are going to help you, you know, make money, which is part of the purpose of buying the stocks. I love that. I love the breakdown between wealth and income. And then like, I had no idea that NASDAQ was just more like electronic, how you broke that down. I didn't mm -hmm. know the difference on between that either. So five minutes in, already uh taking notes and want to want to rewatch this for myself also. <laughs> i can already tell this just mountain of knowledge that you you got for us so um you know once i'm like getting started someone like me like how much money do you need to to get mm -hmm. started and, and for for us and for our listeners too so that brings up it's always when you ask a question i always feel like there's sort of a backstory i need to be sure it gets out first and that brings up the most important concept when it comes to investing and building wealth, and that is compounding. So you really want to understand that because the longer your money has an opportunity to build and work for you, the more you can have and end up with. And I say that to say that the real answer is, especially for younger people, that you need very little in order to build and have that grow over time. So there are several different approaches to getting into the stock market. Uh, when I ran upstairs to get some water, I also got this little book. It's called The Baby Billionaire. And it's actually written by one of my colleagues, uh, Ione McNeil. And I love the book. I mean, I just read it Sunday uh, because she talks about literally, I mean, this is a little bit old school, but I think you can still do it. Just call up the company, ask to speak to their investor relations department, and indicate that you would like to get into their uh, stock dividend reinvestment program. Okay. Not all companies offer that, but some do. And that literally allows you to bypass the broker, set up your account right with that one company. That's assuming you just wanna start out by investing in, let's say AT&T or maybe Nike has a program. <laughs> and then you buy one share, and then you set it up to also uh, put in a, a similar amount, it could be $25 per month, and it will just buy you fractional shares on an automatic basis. They might link it to one of your savings accounts, and then you just build it up over time. But my wife and I did that with several stocks. I remember one was McDonald's, and it's sort of a no-brainer because once you, uh, I remember that commercial, set it and forget it. You just get set it all up and then you have it automatically withdrawn out of your account. And I think it was $50 a month and we did it for a number of different years, like maybe seven to 10 years. And it just builds up your account over time. So if you have a, a company that's share price might be $100 a share yeah. and you're just putting in $50 a month, then it's only going to buy you one half of a share. Yeah. Or if it's at... Um, you know, $200 a month, it's only going to buy you 25% of a share, but um, it just buys whatever that monthly amount will allow you to buy, even if it's a fractional amount. So that's one of the best easy ways to get started, especially if you just pick one company. Now, another way would be uh, going with a mutual fund. And uh, there are some really good low cost funds to get involved with. Some of them just track the stock market overall. That would be what we would call the S&P 500. So you could call uh, Van, you know, call is old school too, because you can go to their website, whether it's Vanguard or um, Fidelity or Charles Schwab and just set up an account. And to answer your question, 
most of those places will allow you to set it up for certainly a hundred dollars, but maybe fifty dollars or so. But uh, generally, just start with a hundred, and then again, set it up for that automatic uh, withdrawal and transfer into the mutual fund on a regular monthly basis. And it just builds up over time and you hardly miss the small amount that you're putting in. A couple other things I'll mention. One is if you are steadily employed, by all means, check out the uh, 401k or what we would call the supplemental uh, pension fund that your company or your nonprofit employer might have. Uh, they have programs that are similar. We always hear about 401k. That's the private sector employer supplemental uh, pension fund program. We call that a, um, we call that a, I think it's a qualified um, investment fund. Um, and then we have similar funds like that for either if you work for state government or if you work for uh, a nonprofit. And while some people will certainly be paying into social security, you might, uh, you know, get some sort of uh, just standard pension, but you can also supplement that with an additional amount that goes right in what we call um, that's tax advantaged because uh, what it can do is go in pre-tax. So when it comes at the end of the year to pay your taxes or report your taxes, you don't even have to, in a 401k, you don't have to report the income that you derive that you put straight into your 401k. So your employer-based investment opportunities are very, very important. You can also do that through an IRA account, which doesn't have to be attached to the employer, but you just have your own separate account. And you can make that what we call self-directed. That means you can put it into stocks uh, if you so choose. Otherwise, if you go to a bank or whatever, they might try to invest it for you, which is not bad. But um, if you want to really be sort of uh, self-controlled, uh, autonomous, then you can learn a little bit about how to do that yourself. And then uh, there's a, a really youth-friendly program that's called the Moneta Funds. And uh, that website is moneta.com. And they have something called the Youth Investor Fund. And sometimes they call it the Core Investor Fund. And that's another one where uh, you would just put in a regular amount starting with as little as $25 and then um, just let that build over time. And once you get it up to a thousand, you don't have to continue to contribute, but you should definitely you know, contribute as well. Just earlier today, I was talking with the state of Wisconsin. I don't know if your, list, your listeners are probably all over the country, but uh, we're all in Wisconsin and we have the uh, 529 college savings plan that's offered through the Department of Financial Institutions. And one of the things I'd love to do if I had more bandwidth is to really work with all parents of color and be sure that as soon as they have a child born to just start that $25 a month or just even having relatives when the child has a birthday or Christmas, you know, put that uh, money that they were gonna spend on a, a gift and put it into their uh, college savings uh, plan. Because again, young people have this uncanny power of compounding and it's there and it's powerful, especially after a few decades of building. But if they don't start, then they absolutely don't have 
that power of wealth building as part of their overall portfolio. Mm. Okay. We're, we're, we're all okay. <laughs> we're all taking notes, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep my head up the band. <laughs> I'm trying to write things down at the same time. Um, yeah, this is great. Um, so you know, we we talked a little bit about the you know background of of stocks, and we've talked about how you can enter at at multiple income levels. You know, twenty five, fifty. Um, so let's say we do have a listener that says you know what, you know, this, this sounds good. I think this is my next step of, of setting aside a little bit of money, maybe from my paycheck and starting to get into investing. Um, if they were to enter in, you know, what, what advice would you give them as far as where they should put that money? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I've heard, um, I've heard that, you know, uh, whatever you, some of the things you consume, you know, whether it is you like shoes or, food or restaurants or things of that sort or whatever it may be, maybe that's a good place for you to start um, investing um, Mm -hmm. iPhones or stuff like that. What advice would you give someone that's looking to just kind of get started and maybe start in that 25, maybe $50, where should they look to put their money? Okay. So several things come to mind on that too. Uh, First and foremost, best practice, definitely check your employer and be sure you're taking advantage of whatever Mm -hmm employer uh, investment program they have there. The main reason is uh, twofold. One is that uh, choice could be tax advantaged for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the other is that, you know, th- it's going to be managed through um, either their human resources or some other affiliate, you know, that's mm-hmm. going to help in making some of those uh, decisions. And the employer sometimes offers a match so if you don't put it with that employer, you may not get that match. I know I worked for the state of Wisconsin for 25 years. We did not get a match, but we did have the program. I think it was called the 457 program for government. And it was still worthwhile because even without the match, you know, they were still compounding. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is for those who are willing to roll up their sleeves, do a little bit of work on their own, they can start an investment club and then as a small group, learn and earn together. Mm. That's how I learned. I didn't learn in school. I went to law school. Nobody taught us how to buy a share of stock. My first job was on the same street as General Motors. And I didn't know how to buy G- GM stock. And everybody <laughs> around me was at GM. And a person at GM literally just sat me down and showed me how to buy it. But ah. um, I then joined an investment club and uh, that provides a very structured approach to how you would learn. That's one of the nonprofits I mentioned to you. And that website uh, is betterinvesting.org. And that's the uh, organization that's 70 years old. And it will uh, provide a lot of guidance about how you can start an investment club. And what's important about that, they have a very good structured uh, lesson plan for how to teach you to invest in individual stocks. Because Corey, that was a little bit of the implication of your question Mm -hmm. that somebody might be investing in individual stocks. Now, another thing that uh, you can do for those who are maybe not gonna do the homework that it takes to understand uh, how to make those choices in individual stocks, you can invest in a mutual fund. 
And there are a lot of mutual funds out there, almost as many mutual funds as there are stocks. A mutual fund is just a basket of stocks that's professionally managed. And so um, you can get one that's uh, sort of managed uh, actively. And that means the high paid manager is sort of buying and selling stocks pretty actively. We don't necessarily recommend that unless you just know of a particular manager that is really beating the averages, Mm -hmm. but you can invest in the average of the market. And that does very well, has historically done well in and of itself. And that would be S&P 500 index fund. That's a mutual fund that's just following the 500 largest companies in the United States, which is the S&P. S&P stands for Standard & Poor's. 500. And it's just like you've got the big 12 or the big 10, you know, which is a league. That's a league of schools. You have Mm. like a league of stocks and Mm. that league of stocks is just 500 of the biggest ones. And um, they automatically invest in those companies. So that would be, I think, a a way for somebody who's just kind of on their own and don't Mm. know much about the stock selection process. Right that would be the way to go. The general rule of thumb is to, if you're going to invest, really concentrate your funds into a S&P 500 index. Mm -hmm. There are other mutual funds and other indexes that you could follow, but that's the most basic and the most standard. And then if you wanna have just a little fun, just take a small percentage of your money, 5%, no more than 10%. And maybe open up a separate account, like through uh, a brokerage firm, Robinhood or um, Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just maybe buy, like you were saying, a couple of stocks from companies that you know. Uh, We know a lot of parents that will tell their young uh, children, if you want to buy a pair of Nike stocks, then you got to save up twice as much because you got to buy Nike's. Uh, if you want to buy the Nike shoes, then you got to buy the Nike stocks as well. <laughs> and uh, there's actually a gentleman in Chicago that you all, you might want to interview one day. Uh, he and I, it's funny, he's a good friend. Uh, his view of capitalism is a little different than mine because I say, you know, this is the pool we're in. So let's swim like Olympic champions. Right. Whereas he's saying, you know, drain this pool and let's put something else besides water in it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't have time for all that. <laughs> and so um, I, I just, you know, bring that up in that, um, you know, there's different approaches that some people, you know, advocate taking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my thought is um, th- this is an opportunity that's here for us. And, you know, we just learn the system and do the best we can with it. Mm-hmm. Wow, you dropped, you, you dropped so much knowledge. <laughs> I love the metaphors. I love the comparison to the Big Ten. I love the just have a way of taking these abstract concepts and making them easy mm-hmm. to absorb, right? It's the same mutual funds, it's just a basket of stocks. Like, yeah. I did somebody tell me that like 20 years ago. Like, well, I appreciate that. Um, there, there's a, another young person, um, DJ Singleton. He's in Milwaukee, but mm-hmm. he graduated and 
he's really attending University of San Francisco, but he spent mm. his freshman year in Milwaukee just because of the pandemic. Mm. But I think he's mm. back out there now. And he's part of an investment club that uh, we're in. But he had the best, you know, more uh, youth-friendly metaphors <laughs> and analogies. He presented uh, not long ago to one of our programs. And I really did enjoy that. But I'll tell you the metaphor or analogy that um, just intrigues me a lot. And, you know, before the, there's almost, I think we're going to start talking about society as before the pandemic and after the pandemic, because, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know quite how things are going to shake out, but I just remember back in the, you know, five, 10 years ago, you could go to any professional sporting event, football, basketball, and you would always see a, a cadre of people, oftentimes um, African-American males that are out there selling tickets, you know, to the game, yep. uh, just kind of on the street corners. Right. And it's such an interesting analogy to what a secondary market is. Because if you're out there at a, you know, if you want to go to the Bucks game, mm -hmm. and if you go to the window and pay your $45 for that ticket, that goes into the Bucks coffers. But if somebody goes to the Bucks coffers and buys like 10 tickets, then they take them out to the street and they want to sell them because it's a big game against L.A., then they're going to make even more money. And let's say they bought them for 45 each and they're going to sell them for 95 each. Hmm. Well, that profit goes into the person who sold them on the secondary market, much like the stocks do as well. And hmm. the Bucks don't see any of that incremental increase. Hmm. And right. conversely, if it turns out that Giannis is not playing and he's hurt, nobody wants to go to that game and mm -hmm. the ticket price drops to fifteen dollars. Right. Well, the Bucks have already pocketed their forty-five <laughs> and they have it. Right. Yeah. And now it's the guy on the street, you know, that's gotta suffer right. that loss of that um, loss in value. And that's mm -hmm. base that's so what's interesting is we've been playing in the secondary markets for decades. Right. But Yep. not in the stock yeah. market, right. which, you know, they call it the stock market, but it's nothing more, nothing less than a secondary market. Mm. Mm. Love that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never thought, I never even looked at that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you breaking that down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still kind of digesting that. Um, yeah. yeah, if I yeah. actually, you know, had a, a one or two extra lives, I'd spend one trying to get a PhD in just studying those, uh, <laughs> those game related secondary markets, because I don't, you know, I'd love to just know behind the scenes what's going on and, you know, who's, you know, if the guy on that um, secondary market really makes all the money or is there like a big conglomerate and then they're sort of like paying into some other big, you know, conglomerate or what have you, I won't call it organized, but, <laughs> you know, but uh, some sort of other organization that, you know, is part of that. So it's, it's a fascinating, um, you know, whole uh, world when it comes to investing. Mm -hmm. um, I talked a little bit about investment clubs and I can't say enough about that because it does uh, give a person a good um, sort of grounding at the early stage. And, and now investing is getting more and more sophisticated and it's easy to get caught up in more um, get rich quick types of activities and sure. some of the things we will not go into today like bitcoin and nfts etc but i really recommend people steer away from that as their first foray and mm -hmm. just learn the basics first 
the basics of investing through mutual funds or individual stocks if you've got a plan for how you're going to learn about individual stocks and um, and then get more knowledgeable before you go into uh, those areas that are definitely you know require more sophisticated knowledge and understanding but as we work with young people you know they begin to see how different geopolitical events can affect the stock market overall right. as well. Right. And so that's interesting. I mean, the, the one thing, the pandemic has been a real-time classroom, you know, when we saw the Clorox stock go up because of mm -hmm. the need for cleanliness. Actually, I was on the phone with a young lady who's going into the um, 12th grade and she's, she's learning investing, but I can't convince her to go into that as a career. She still mm -hmm. wants to be a nurse, but, um, we were talking on the phone and so I told her if she was interested in nursing, then why don't she focus on learning about um, healthcare stocks? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I was just having a check-in with her today and she told me that she's been uh, studying up on Pfizer and Moderna. Mm -hmm. Well, of mm -hmm. course that has an incredible context with what's going on with the pandemic and it'll be interesting to see when she's ready to present, you know, what information she comes up with or whether she likes one better than the other. Then of course we know there's Johnson and Johnson out there. Uh, so just the world events, you know, just right. gives you so much to think about and understand as you're um, just trying to figure out where the market is going and inside the market where certain individual stocks are going to rise or fall. Uh, Clorox, to continue the story, my family investment club did own Clorox and we bought it at a good time as it was going up. And then um, one of our family members wanted cash. So we sold some stock to raise the cash to um, pay out part of his uh, earnings. And we had decided to sell Clorox. And lo and behold, two days ago, Clorox dropped by something like 16 points. So mm. it's almost back to where it was mm. pre, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and of course, Zoom has just been an amazing uh, uh, ride up, down, up. And mm -hmm. um, it's kind of higher than where I bought it, but I didn't make money on it because I bought it too high. Then um, I got disappointed by it. So I sold it. Then it, uh, went it went down when I sold it sold it and I sold it down. Then it went back up. But you know you you want to learn not to chase those companies. So yeah. even though I follow it, I haven't gotten back in it. Um, mm -hmm. So Bob, I, I had a you you dropped you said something in there that I thought was really incredible. And if you could kind of break down the process on how you 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 put this together, you said a family mm -hmm. investment club. Mm -hmm. So. How, you know, I know you. I know you do investment clubs, but working with your family, mm -hmm. to me, that can be difficult at times. We all know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, right. And believe me, we got strong personalities in our family. <laughs> right. You know, there's, there's certain family members. It's just like you. Just mm -hmm. like me, it's not gonna work. Yeah. So you know how? Like, how does that work? And also, too, you kind of started going into it about not following the trendy stocks, mm -hmm. you know, the meme stocks. So. What are certain things you look for in companies mm -hmm. that would make you say, you know what, I want to invest some money into that? So sure. it's kind of a two-part question. Mm -hmm. So as far as the investment clubs, um, number one, I really recommend that uh, people use investment clubs as a way to get started and to learn. On the other hand, I suggest that a family club not be 
the first club you try to start. Mm. Because if you're trying to figure it all out and you're dealing with family dynamics, it can get mm. even more convoluted. And so I like for people to start a club with friends or professional associates and really kind of treat it very um, business-like and get it going, learn the process. Then you can bring that process back to your family and you know kind of how to lead them. And so some of the discussions you would have, they'll look at you as a little bit more of an authority and be willing to go with your recommendations because you've been through it and your experience. Whereas if you're just a regular old family member and you don't know any more than anybody else does, they just gonna argue with you uh, just because <laughs> you they brother, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> right, right. And so right. um, by, by the time I started, because the first club I started was in 1987 with Dr. Floyd Rose and that club yeah. is still going today and oh, yeah. we're not wow. members anymore, but I follow it. It has over uh, $700,000 in it now. And then um, that was in 1987. So it was really 13 years later in the year 2000 that I had said, you know, I'm helping all of this community uh, groups. I need to be sure my family is coming along. So uh, we actually um, did do sort of a, um, a command performance where at a big family dinner, I just stopped the dinner and said, we are going to start an investment club. Mm. And um, I had enough, I guess, rapport with everybody that we were able to get it going. There were a couple of younger uh, kids that didn't you know, want to spend time in a meeting like that, but their parents were strong enough to say, you know, you're going to sit right here. You're going to be part of this, right. et cetera. Yeah. And actually the one who needed to take out $25,000 for his uh, five bedroom home he just bought of his money, 25000 he was the one kicking and screaming, didn't mm. want to do it, but uh, he took that money. Right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's the one thing. And then the other is uh, the, the real value in the investment club is uh, they have what is called the stock selection guide that's uh, provided through Better Investing. And that really walks you through that um, stock selection process you know, that is, is so important that you know and that you understand. Huh. Yeah. Cool. And then what was the other part that you wanted me to talk about? Yeah, the other part was how do you know if it's a good company? Are there certain things you kind of look for in a company that mm -hmm. would make you say, you know what, it's time for me to put some money into this? Yeah. Thing. So that actually does lead literally to the stock selection guide um, because it's a it's a six hour class. It used to be six hours. You can kind of run through it now because of automation and it's not as many manual calculations that you can do it now, probably in an hour, hour and a half. And, you know, we can even have a session on that sometime. Okay. But basically, um, you're really looking for two main things. Number one, is it a good company? And I always tell people another analogy, Opal, that just like people, you know, some are good and some are bad. And so if I say Johnny is a good boy, then you're going to think Johnny is clean, mannerly, probably smart in school, ambitious. They're just characteristics that you know of a good person. Similarly with a good company, we want to invest in a good company. So good by that definition means what? In a capitalist system, you want a company whose sales are growing, 
right. whose earnings, which is the same as profits, are growing. So you're going to need to have a source and Yahoo Finance or Google Finance are pretty easy sources where you want to do a little bit of historical research and see that the company's sales and earnings are growing. One of the things we teach the young people is our, we have several little mantras. And one of them, at some point, Opal's got to jazz them up for us. But basically, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, we say sales drives the earnings and earnings drives the stock price. So when we're looking for a good company, uh, although we'll, you know, research around a lot of pieces to it, it boils down. We're looking for a company whose sales are going up. Right. And we're looking at a company whose sales are going up because where do earnings or profits come from? Profits come from the sales. Yeah. So if your sales aren't going up, even if the company's profitable, the profits can't go up, but so much unless the sales are going up. So that's why we're looking at sales first, then earnings. And then um, basically stock price is driven by those things. Now, that's question number one. Is it a good company? Yes, sales are going up, earnings are going up. But the more tricky is the second question. Is this good company selling at a good price? Hmm. Sometimes you can think about um, you can think about any stock, uh, but certainly Apple, GameStop, uh, Microsoft, uh, Facebook. I'll take out GameStop. But all those others are solidly, fundamentally good companies. Their earnings have been growing steadily year over year. But sometimes the stock price is overvalued. And then occasionally a stock price is undervalued. So if you're trying to make money on that stock, then you've got a first. What did I just do? I took out GameStop. I'm saying I'm not going to call that a good company. Right. But the others, I'm going to say yes. The first uh, question, the answer is yes, it is a good company. The next question is, is it selling at a good price? And by that we mean, is it currently undervalued or overvalued? And we only want to buy these companies if they are undervalued. So eventually the stock price will catch up and it will become... um, fairly valued Mm -hmm. or even better yet overvalued. And if it gets too overvalued, then you want to sell. So the stock selection guide helps you with that. But basically um, this is maybe the limit of what we can talk about here, but it has to do with you break those earnings down to a per share basis. So this is analogy doesn't work as well, but if you were, uh, driving a car and you went 60 miles per hour, you're trying to find out how fast you're going per hour. Probably a better analogy is going to the grocery store and you're trying to buy chicken. And at some point the chicken is worth, it's a good chicken. And on Thursday, um, they don't have a sale going and they're selling it at 89 cents a pound. But then you know that on Saturday morning before eight o'clock, they're going to drop that price from 89 cents a pound to, you know, 59 cents a pound. Well, it's the same chicken. Do I want to buy it at 89 cents a pound or 49 cents a pound? That's the same as the true with a stock that the analysts learn how to break down those earnings 
by simply dividing the aggregate earnings over a period of time by the number of shares of stock that are outstanding. That gives you your earnings per share. Hmm. And then you can look at how many more times the earnings per share is that stock selling at. If a company is growing at 15% per year, growing in sales and earnings, but the stock, um, the investors right now are uh, paying no more than 10 times its earnings per share, but the company is growing at 15%, we're going to basically look at that as undervalued because people are paying less per share than the earnings rate of growth per uh, earnings rate of growth. It's not per share, it's just the rate of growth. Yeah. But if uh, the investors are paying, let's say 25 times the earnings per share, and that company's only growing at 10 or 15%, then there's a more likelihood that that company is overvalued. And so, um, you know, I'm looking at a couple of companies, you know, right now, uh, one of them is Winnebago. Well, again, the pandemic, mm -hmm. I just talked to someone today, as a matter of fact, he was on his way driving uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast, and he was in um, an RV. Now, whether he was in a Winnebago or not, that wasn't the subject of our conversation, so I didn't mm -hmm. ask, but I hope he was in a Winnebago, because I bought some <laughs> Winnebago stock. <laughs> and, um, Right now, the projections are that the earnings per share price is below the projected growth rate. So I'm on a hunch that it's undervalued. This is not a recommendation. We cannot recommend any right. sort of stock for right. anybody to buy. For sure, but right. it's just giving you as an example mm -hmm. of something that I'm sort of toying around with um, you know, to see if maybe my hunch is right, that it might be undervalued. And so that's, to me, what is really fun. And another analogy, uh, I'm just using them now because you said that you like them. And actually, I'm thinking um, yeah. that, you know, I kind of like them too, actually. And, um, you know, one of them is fantasy football. Now, I don't know exactly how you play it, but I remember a friend of mine at the Urban League invited me to come in when they were going to do a draft. And they're just looking at these players and looking at their stats and evaluating who they're going to pick based upon how they performed on a position. And I just walked out of there. That's what we do with a stock. Mm. You know, we're just looking at certain elements and quali qualities and right. the context of uh, their competition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so... You know, I don't know what kind of rewards you get from play, spending all that time and effort playing fantasy football. I guess you can make a little something, right. but it's sort of a one-off deal. You know, somebody wins at the end of the season and everybody else is kind of going on to do something else. Right. But the, in, the stocks, you know, we can all evaluate those. We can pick our portfolio that's like a team and... You know, we can uh, put somebody out from our team and bring somebody else in when right. we want to, and it will keep it going. And it doesn't have a season that ends in January. It, it continues in February, <laughs> March, April, May. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, yeah. are we focused on the, right. the, you know, most of our time and energy on 
the right thing or are we sort of real misplaced with where we're putting all of our time, energy, focus, and all of that. And, you know, if you want to have a good time bantering about and bragging, do it with stocks. You can do the same thing. Right. That's real. That's so good right there. That is that is a gem right there. Right. Like, right? like if we would spend our time being gamified on something that would actually yes. give back to us, like mm -hmm. that's real. Absolutely. And all the things that we're wasting our time on are going up in stock. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Nike is a perfect example. Um, you know, we make Nikes popular, mm -hmm. but too few of us actually own that stock. Right. That's real. I just bought me some. Uh, Nike stock? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, good. absolutely. Yeah, because I just for the reason you said it. Mm -hmm. The reason you said, yeah. Opal, do you have a follow-up question by chance? Yeah, I think um, for me, one of the most—I mean, there's so much—but one of the most intriguing things you talked about was the young man who was kicking and screaming early, oh. but then right needed the the 25k to to get a home. Which again, like that, just continued like you're continuing wealth for real, and to have the opportunity, especially folks that look like us lowest home ownership in most areas of the nation. Um, so wh where does that question come in about like, when can I get my money back? Can I get it back? When can I take it out? And what is, you talk a little bit about that process, but yeah, enlighten us sure. a little bit more and take us into some detail on how that looks. Mm -hmm. Sure. And and that's a really important question because uh, once you start, let's call it the investment club approach, it's always your money, what you put in plus your pro rata share of the earnings or losses is always traceable within your account within the investment club. The club itself is a business. And so it's a partnership or it's a LLC. So it's just one account, but then there is sub accounting line items per member. So we always can tell anytime how many units a person owns and what the value, the total value of their units are. So when we go into an investment club, uh, I mentioned the first two. The, the another one that I started is much younger. It was started in 2017 in Milwaukee, and it only has about $19,000 in it. Mm -hmm. And so um, we just try to make it real clear that, yes, it's your money anytime, but don't start taking money out until you've got a real critical mass because mm -hmm. um, the compounding can't work if it's going backwards too soon. But once you get, because the average return in the market is anywhere from eight to 12%. So we can say over the years, it has averaged about a 10% return. So if you've got $10,000 and you take out $1,000, then you've just wiped out your entire return for that year. But if you got $100,000 and you take out one or $2,000, then that 100,000 at 10% still generates another $10,000 for you. So if you take out one or 2,000, then your portfolio is still growing forward. And so um, that's just the main point with whether you're investing in your own personal account or if you're investing as a group, you've got to get it up to that critical mass where it just continues to grow. And that's where we have that 
expression. It, you know, you have your money making money for you. As yeah. a matter of fact, uh, I like the term in this baby billionaire because uh, she said something about um, why don't you put your money to work? Right. And basically she was saying your money can work for you if you put it into these companies or these mutual funds that are going to generate a return for you. If you just got your money in your wallet or even if you just have it in a state savings account that's not going to pay you much in interest, then your money is not working for you. So she's talking about putting her money and she's only about 32, 33 years old and her money's working so hard for her now and she's got, you know, enough of it to make a, a difference that, you know, she and this is this is that interesting thing about why, you know, the big context about why we're here. We're no longer enslaved, but many of us are very much tethered to a job because we still need that income. Yeah. And sometimes we're even engaged in jobs that we don't like. I think I was talking to someone earlier today, actually, who really just did not like the job, but she needed it. Right. So that sort of in between true financial freedom versus not being like um, almost incarcerated to a job is um, having that financial cushion so that even though you want to make some money, you can not make the decision based upon which job pays you the most. You can just say, well, I love doing this. Like maybe it's um, you like to be outdoors. And so you much prefer like working at a, a plant nursery or something of that nature, uh, which may not pay you a whole lot versus having to be an office assistant, you know, in some sort of um, oppressive office with no windows that you have to go into and maybe have a long commute, but that one pays you 30% more. But if you have built your portfolio to a certain level, while like I say, you don't wanna spin that down to zero, but it's working for you to a point that it's supplementing uh, your other income from that more pleasant job option that you have. Yep. And you can, um, you know, really kind of have a, a type of freedom in your adult life, especially in the second part of your adult life, mm -hmm. that um, you re really just can't afford to have if you haven't been saving and building that nest egg to where uh, you've got your money, some, you know, portfolio of money actually working for you. Um, and that's something I think we really have the opportunity for if we can just, um, you know, take advantage of the economy, especially right. the global economy, um, you know, United States economy is very mature. But again, uh, economies are kind of like people too. You got them young, you've got them uh, developing, you've got them that are mature. Yeah. Right. Europe's economies are more mature than mm -hmm. our economy. So they're not even mm -hmm. growing as fast. Hmm. The United States has been in a sweet spot of growth and then China took over that sweet spot of growth. Hmm. And then you've got now on the horizon for your children, uh, Africa and, and possibly India and, and those sorts of things. We always have threats out there, war, pandemics, and um, you know global warming. 
So there are a lot of threats. And so you, you have to, you know, nothing is promised, but, right. um, you know, you have to sort of navigate and think about all of those things and uh, determine, you know, what level of risk uh, you're willing to take. And that's another feather in the cap of the young person because they can afford to take more risk than, you know, when you get my age, retirement age and so on, um, you, you, you have to be more uh, risk averse. I wanted to um, just take a quick moment and see if you have another analogy still in there for this one. Um, but it's, it's a, it's kind of a, a foundational term that we touched on last episode and episode two, but I, I just want to make sure that there's clarification because I know, I know when I, when I really thought through this term and it, and it, you know, I understood it, it really completely changed, you know, my ideas as far as investing, as far as credit and other things. And that is the, uh, the concept of compound interest. Mm-hmm. Can you, do you have a good analogy or a, a clear definition that someone could really follow the concept of compound interest? Because I just think that is so crucial to, you know, uh, understanding stocks and how it makes money for you. But also when we were talking about credit and, and how that compounds as well for our, our listeners uh, to really have a good, clear idea of what that is and how that works. Sure. And I mentioned early on that it is, I'd say the number one uh, financial concept, especially for young people. Mm -hmm. Um, The other important financial concept is the definition of wealth, which is net worth. And we Mm -hmm. talked about that. But but going back to compound interest, we should be careful not to overcomplicate it. It's simply earning interest on interest. Mm -hmm. And I hope we can get more and more people to just understand that powerful concept. In the Baby Billionaire book, there's a couple pages where they walk you right through it. And we can Mm. take the example of um, you got $100 in a uh, savings account. And um, basically, let's take maybe $100 in a mutual fund because you can use a higher rate of interest. (laughs) So you've got $100 in a mutual fund and it's earning 10%. Well, it's all set up to compound. So that $100 earns $10. So the next year, you've got $110. So if it earns 10%, then because it's $110, that next year you have earned $11 of interest. And so then you've now got $111. And then the next year, you're going to earn um, 10% on that. And that's going to allow you to earn 11 and you, and it keeps adding up. So right. your interest is adding as you go. Right. Whereas if you had simple interest, which some banks I think used to pay simple interest, mm-hmm. uh, you take that hundred dollars. And if, even if it's getting 10%, you earn $10 on that hundred. But then the next year, instead of earning 10% on $110, you're earning 10% on just $100 again. Mm. And mm. so you, you stay stuck at just earning what your original, earning interest on what your original right. principle was. Whereas compounding means as your 
portfolio grows, you're earning interest on not only your principal, but also on the uh, added interest that money is generating interest for you as well. Mm. So two things. Number one, if you're just isolating for one or two years, no big deal. The other is if you're thinking, oh, what's the difference between 8% and 9%? No big deal for one or two years. But when you do the math for 25 years, 30 years, Mm -hmm. the lifetime of an adult, which is usually 40 to 60 years, Mm -hmm. my God, does that (laughs) add up. Yes. And just as I was mentioning my family investment club, the total portfolio value is at $191,000. But the amount that we have put in with our respective $25 a month is no more than about $65,000. So the portfolio has been compounding (laughs) over that time. And that's, as I say, um, it would be more than that in the portfolio had the uh, 25,000 and 8,000 and 12,000 of family members hadn't taken theirs out. Uh, And I remember I said we had to sell some Clorox and some other things to pay out some people who needed it. And thank God they had it, you know, to, they were entitled to it and they took it out. But compounding, it's more important that you do, you put your money into something that is compounding than you really understand it. Just, yes. just do it. Thank you. That's cool. Um, you, you, you know, you, you've mentioned so, so many different things. Uh, one thing that really stuck inside of my mind was that you 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 mentioned Africa, you mentioned India as the future for our children, and I want to connect that to um, you 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 you've been you've been you've been connecting it to the children the whole time we've been interviewing it, saying that you need to start early, talking right. about kids with with college funds, and my question was, um, can you kind of tell us about the programs that you've already mm-hmm. set up right. to educate children? um through 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 different programs and kind of let people know like how you know what what you have available right now absolutely so um the nonprofit that i've worked with for over 20 years is asset builders of america and uh, we have a number of programs there one is the finance and investment challenge bowl and that's one that is offered through the schools where um, the students study uh, different financial content either on their own or through the classroom. And then uh, they're gathered region by region across the state of Wisconsin to per, uh, participate in what I describe as a Jeopardy style game that will show what they know about uh, money and finances and um, that sort of thing. We also have a Millionaires Club that meets uh, once a month on Sundays. It's a, uh, I think it's every second Sunday of the month. We don't do it in the summer, but we'll start it in the fall. And we just uh, introduce basic concepts like we were talking about today uh, to the young people. Middle school and high schoolers are welcome. So in about a year and a half ago, we started a, a new initiative uh, and a new nonprofit that's called CLIMB. And that website is uh, www.climbusa.org. CLIMB stands for Communities Learning to Invest and Mobilize for Business. 
So we're working a lot with young people uh, through the stock market game, which is a simulated investment competition for middle and high school students. It's normally offered through the uh, school system, but mm -hmm. through Klein, we offer it during the summer because we can't control whether the schools will bring it to our kids of color or not. Right. So during the summer, we work with community-based organizations. We're currently running that program right now. The 10-week stock market game competition is running from August, I'm sorry, from June 14th to August 20th. So we're in about the eighth, uh, I guess the seventh week of it uh, coming up right now. We actually have a enrichment day every week where there's supplemental learning that uh, goes along with learning through playing the stock market game. And that's uh, every Tuesday at 4.30 Central Time. And uh, you can go right to that climbusa.org website and uh, just go to the page on the uh, summer stock market experience. And you can click uh, there to register and just join in on the Tuesday sessions, which are free. And um, we can accommodate more than just the participants uh, in that. Uh, this is the first year we're doing this uh, beyond the state of Wisconsin. And we've got 234 youth participating in uh, 13 states plus the District of Columbia, although still about two thirds of the students are from Wisconsin because we sort of want to grow it into a national uh, program and it's just emanating out of uh, Wisconsin first. And I'll say that uh, CUNA Mutual Group and CUNA Mutual Foundation have been great supporters of what we're doing through CLIMB. So we're very appreciative of uh, that support. And then from there, we're, available to help groups start investment clubs. Because like I say, you can know all of this information uh, uh, ad infinitum, but if you're not practicing it and actually putting your money into the yeah. market, you're not going to benefit. So we're uh, making ourselves available to help um, groups to start investment clubs. And then once they get started, we want them to join Better Investing which is a 70-year-old um, mainstream trade association for investment clubs. Okay. Uh, they just don't do quite as much proactive outreach as we're doing uh, because we know that there are a lot of people in our communities of color that don't really know to contact Better Investing or they might need more than just the one-hour orientation session that they will give you to get your club started. So right. we're available through CLIMB to talk to a group as many times as it takes to get them started and hopefully get them up to speed in how to operate. And then, you know, we still try to hand them over to Better Investing so we can go back out in the community and try to help more to get started. The club in Milwaukee has 27 uh, uh, members and out of them, six are youth. So we're trying to create blended clubs as well. And uh, some of the high school students I referred to are part of that uh, a part of that uh, club, and we have about eight groups in Milwaukee trying to start clubs as we speak. The other thing that we're doing during the fall, because this uh, summer stock market game will be ending at the end of August, is a Climb Youth Leadership Council, and mm -hmm. these are youth, uh, middle school and high school, who are willing to meet with me and a small group of adult advisors every Friday throughout the school year with the idea that they will then have a capstone presentation 
on a business or finance related topic of their choice by mm -hmm. end of May. So it's a combination of conversations around finance and uh, investing, the kind of dinner table conversations that most of our community does not have at dinner. Right. And then um, we you know, will always be taking a look at the stock market and just getting them oriented toward paying attention to what the stock market is doing and then try to find a topic that's of interest to them where they can go a little bit deeper and learn how to put together more of this information into a presentation uh, for themselves. So we're gonna have three open house Fridays in September, the 10th, the 17th, and the 24th, where we're inviting parents to get to know who we are. We're gonna do it all virtual. And then um, after that, we'll start the program October 1st. And we're hoping that it will attract youth who wanna stay with the program for the whole year. So it's not really an in and out type of thing, but you know, once you start in October, we're expecting them to stay with the program uh, throughout the uh, throughout the uh, school year. Um, something else we were brainstorming about today. Um, so the young lady who was actually kind of talking about her own dislike for her job and wanted to change it, but the reason she had really contacted me is because she has several uh, young people in her life that are late teenage to early twenties that just sort of like didn't stick with college. I think they tried and maybe did a semester and they're in Milwaukee and they're not really doing too much right now. And she's very frustrated that, you know, they seem like they're just not doing anything to further their future. And she knows how important finance and understanding investing is and it's long-term. And so they're kind of like, wanting to make money quicker, which can be dangerous. <laughs> and so uh, we're gonna try to figure out some sort of conversation to have with them and then see if there's maybe something more innovative than the things I've just described, which aren't attractive to that particular sub demographic. And so the three of you, you know, might be relevant to talk further down the road about, you know, how do we get some of these young people in Madison, Milwaukee and other places uh, to get engaged because it's just like the woman who wrote that little book. She's only 30 something now. And, you know, she's, she's good for life financially, you know? Yeah. And um, these young people, 20 something, can literally be good for life if they just sort of, you know, go through. I told this person that, you know, life is going to give you pain points. And so you've got two ways you can get them. Um, you can be proactive and do the pain of staying in college or doing that nine to five job for several years and, and have a plan to get ready for the second half of your life. Or you can just do sort of a laxed, uh, you know, day-to-day um, -day living, and that pain is going to hit you mm. in ways that's far more out of your control. But um, you mm. know, you you are going to have the pain points in life, and it's just a matter of how you're going to approach it. So we need to find mm. out, um, you know, how we reach these young people and yeah. sort of intercept the trajectory that they're on and help them to um, 
you know, be a little bit more proactive in how they put the pain in their lives in a way that's going to set them up for a better life in the future. Mm. Right. Mm. I love, I love this. All I can think Ooh, about is incredible work. Bradley, with, the, with your question about, about the youth and the things that you're saying here is just that, you know, I wish I would have heard this 20 years ago, but I'm so mm. grateful I'm not here to 20 years ago. I'm loving this. Yeah, um, and the reason I'm so passionate about it is, like I said, you know, mm -hmm. I'd gone to uh, college and went to law school and came out of law school and did not know how to buy a share of stock. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really close to 30 before I really bought my first share. And then when I learned about, you know, the other thing that happened was, um, you know, we had the big, uh, they call it Black Thursday or whatever, back in uh, October uh, 19, uh, was it 1987? Yeah, it was 1987, where the whole market just crashed. You know, they had a big market crash. Mm -hmm. So I'm listening to, um, and y'all would call it ear hustling, <laughs> where, you know, I'm having lunch with uh, one person, but I'm hearing this conversation at the next table over these two guys. And they were talking about how much this one guy's brother was making as the market was going down. And mm. I'm like, wait a minute, mm. you can make money in the market if it's going up or if it's going down, mm. then I got to learn <laughs> about this. <laughs> and I don't do, that's called selling short when you're making right. money when the market goes down. I don't okay. do that a lot because it is a very sophisticated strategy. Right. But, uh, you know, and that's maybe what these young people would enjoy, you know, right. the, learning the options. You know, I, right. I guess I'm thinking out loud, you know, that yeah. that's much more risky. But, you know, some uh, God, everybody's going to Vegas, I guess, because you can't go to, you know, overseas and uh, the borders are closed. Uh, everybody's going to Vegas. But, you mm -hmm. know, investing in options is the same right. thing as you, you're going to Vegas. So you may as well learn learn that, um, you know, as well. But. Yeah, we got to figure something out, you know, for um, capturing the interest uh, of these young people and mm -hmm. and getting them oriented toward, uh, you know, something that can, uh, I think, really be very powerful in uh, building a different future for them and for their families and so on. I, the other website I didn't even give you was uh, the Pro Squared, which is for athletes, because we're also interested mm -hmm. in, in trying to help more athletes to deal on the wealth side of their asset base and not mm -hmm. just think about income. Mm -hmm. wow. Love that, yeah, loving, loving the resources too here. Um, yes. Loving that. So um, I, it was really cool to hear you say that like 87 was that crash. And then I think I also remember you here saying that 87 is when you started uh, yeah, with it is. Dr. Floyd. Oh, wow. Which we can't just say Dr. Floyd without sending some love to, right. to that amazing <laughs> man who I am just a huge fan of everything he does. So Absolutely. the two of you together on anything, powerhouse, no surprise. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I have to always give him, continue. I, yeah, I always have to give him his due because yes. actually um, I was working at the state capitol and he at the time was working at John Deere or one of the major corporations. Mm -hmm. And I knew we knew each other, but not that well. But um, we would just always just talk about different things. And he just called me one day and he said, Bob, let's start an investment club. I really didn't even know what an investment club was. But mm -hmm. because he suggested, I said, OK. And uh, then uh, we started doing some research and like, he probably started it first. And then we found better investing right away. So I feel very mm. fortunate about that. So we weren't really 
just sort of um, blind about how we did it. We followed their procedures, you know, to a point that um, I basically have traveled to the Better Investing conferences wherever they are. They're going to be in uh, Dallas, Texas this October for their national conference. And I'll go there. And then um, they started at one time a World Federation of Investment Clubs. So there were investors from around the world, but um, not I don't think any from Africa or mm. only Brazil was representing South America, but most were from like uh, European countries and Japan and Australia. And uh, my wife and I, for a couple of years, we flew over to Belgium to one of their World Federation meetings and then to uh, Helsinki. And mm. um, just to say that, you know, we wanted to absorb as much as we could about uh, the conversations going on around uh, investing and, and so on. So, it's a, it's you know just really an exciting thing, and I would suggest that uh, people take a little bit of that fantasy football time and and uh, <laughs> invest in stocks. Mm-hmm. I love I love that. That's really my question. Can you can it just be like two people? Do I need a certain amount to go to you know better investing to start a, to start a group? Well, number one, they will they do have individual memberships as well. So you could even uh, go right to that site and join as an individual member for starters. Um, And as a matter of fact, I think the trend has been more individual investing than, um, you know, investment clubs, um, because now there's so many more resources that are available through the Internet and different ways, because you can imagine in 1987, you know, it, everything was analog, you know, but um, now there's a lot more resources. So you can really do this without being in an investment club, but it is the way I learned. And it's, I guess like religion, everybody wants you to be what they are, you know, or how they did it. So uh, that's why I really promote investment club, but you can just do it. And the others sort of like in between would be in a virtual club where you might have three or four people and you just say, hey, let's get together for coffee once a month. And I got my own portfolio and my own brokerage account. You got yours. We're just going to get together and talk about what stocks do we think. I'm thinking Winnebago. Maybe somebody else is thinking um, IBM because IBM bought LinkedIn or or what have you. Or I think it was actually Microsoft that might have bought LinkedIn. But, you know, just different things are happening and you want to you kind of compare notes and that always helps to have a group that you would at least talk with about investing, even if you're not a formal investment club. So people do that as well. Man, this is this has been an incredible talk. I, I feel like you've given you've given people multiple blueprints of how to get involved um, wherever you're at in the spectrum, um, which which is great, which is which is uh, amazing, and I think that. I, I know all of us sitting here are very appreciative <laughs> with the list of notes <laughs> yeah. we have, but I have to imagine, you know, the listeners are as well. So thank you. Thank you um, mm-hmm. for your time today. And we're going to have to have you back. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> you know, when I look at people, I size them up and I'm thinking, you know, would they be good in an investment club? <laughs> so, I, you know, I can't help but be intrigued that you three would be a really amazing core of a group for an investment club. I feel that. <laughs> that, that needs to be a discussion we have very we'll soon. Yes. <laughs> it resonates. Yeah, and Bradley knows I've talked to him before about it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's um, been my pleasure. And again, you guys are the ones who 
are really creating the platform to get the message out. And uh, you have a, a program that is about what's really important for our community. And I really commend you all for uh, making this space available because, you know, it's just been too rare in our community. And, and you know, again, if you uh, kind of quantify, it's probably what, 10 sports talk shows for every one finance show in the black community. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, this is something we need, you know, a lot more of, and it's nice that you guys are, are providing this forum. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and the one other thing I'll put in there is, is, you know, I feel like you've me included because my, my uh, fantasy football starts in, in oh. three weeks. Um, <laughs> you've shown that we are already doing the work as yes. far as being able to um, uh, be involved in, 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 you know, really understand stocks. We're already doing the work. Right. And you're doing phases. the analytical process. Yes. Yeah. And not even knowing it. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably one of the most powerful things that you can convey um, to somebody watching or listening to say, hey, you're actually already doing this. You're just not involved, especially right. fantasy football, not involved in, it, in the right hustle per se. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I walked out and I was like, wow, I can't re believe how similar, you know, that whole process <laughs> was. <laughs> like, you need you're looking at how fast too. somebody runs and I'm just looking at uh -huh. how fast their earnings grow. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're studying the wrong teams, like you know, <laughs> right. here, the stock yeah, team you right. want to look at. Yeah. <laughs> My family club bought uh, Microsoft was one of the first stocks we bought. It was at uh, twenty five dollars a share. Oh, when we bought it. Wow! And if you look at it today, you know it's like two or I don't know two hundred, mm. three hundred a share. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And same with Apple. Apple split seven for one, I believe it was. And, um, you know, so we bought it before it split. Um, and, you know, Tesla is, you know, it's just a world of um, opportunity out yes. there, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we do have um, a, a private, we have two private Facebook pages. Okay. One is Go For It. And um, basically, it's just a small group of people on the uh Facebook page. I didn't know so many go for it's in uh, Facebook, but mm. ours uh, is go for it. And you'll see some familiar faces, including my gray hair on the, uh, as one of the people in the picture. So you can ask to join and we can let you in. And we have a little bit of discussion going on about stocks and, and so on there. And then a more recent one we created is spe uh, specific to the stock market game. It's called the uh, youth stock market experience. And that's a Facebook page as well. Um, and that one actually live streams our Tuesday sessions as oh, well. Nice. Yeah. Okay. This is wonderful. Nice. This, is gr this is great. A wealth of information. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. A wealth of information. We want to um, uh, thank everybody that's, that's tuned in, anybody that may be watching. Um, make sure to add our social media. You can... Always catch the episodes on uh, My Radio 22's website, myradio22.com slash black currency podcast. Um, you can always catch it on YouTube, youtube.com slash radio22, and IG, IG at black currency podcast. But 
you need to go to these websites first. Betterinvesting.org. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Then come in and like and add us after that. We would appreciate that. But this is where you need to you need to your first click, whatever you're doing, whether you're on your phone and your computer, this is where you need to go first. Mm-hmm. Also make sure to check out asset builders, uh, assetbuilders.org mm-hmm. and also check out uh climbusa.org. Mm-hmm. Before we before we uh close up, can you um uh, lift up that book that you recommended because mm-hmm. we love to recommend um mm-hmm something to read and you have the the baby billionaire guide to investing by mm-hmm. yes by ioni mcneil and that's ioni on the back page there uh she's a graduate of howard university she would want me to say and she mm-hmm. works with me at uh, climbusa.org as well but uh, she's my living case study of what our youth can be that's incredible awesome. So that's the other place you guys need to be. Mm-hmm. Always about education, always um, trying to provide a great platform for people to be able to uh, share knowledge. And it's it's been everything of that and more. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, it's my pleasure. And um, I look forward to us talking again. All right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything. Thank you. This mm-hmm. has been amazing. Thank, Thank you all. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll see you guys for episode four. Everyone have a good one.